What's up, guys? It's Kenny from Let's Talk Law Enforcement. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I wanted to give a shout-out to my sponsors. RTI Training, Pour the Finest Coffee, Customly Crystal, and the V Development Group. Without these guys, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Thanks again, guys, and we're going to get right into this very special episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special edition of Let's Talk Law Enforcement. I am your host, Kenny Dean, and I'm glad to have you guys on board. And tonight I have three very special guests and three very special authors. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, the uh, book, and tell me what it's all about and tell our audience what's, what it's all about. And on my end, I've kind of took a sneak peek into it. And I will say this, as a hardcore male police officer, ladies, it's a very good book. It's a very, very good book. So I'm going to start with, I uh, still call her my chief because she was my chief at um, MPD. So I'm going to start with chief, uh, you know, reintroduce yourself and then give me a little bit of, you know, bio, quick bio about you. And then we're going to uh, Sherry. Sherry next. All right. Thank you so much, Kenny, for having us on your podcast and having me again. I think this is my third appearance. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Chanel Dickerson. I am a retired assistant chief of police of the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington, D.C. Um, I spent over 30 years in law enforcement um, and I retired um, last year. So I've been retired for a little over 15 months. And I want to talk a little bit about Uncuffed Voices because Uncuffed Voices, her story is my story, is an anthology. There are 19 women, including myself, in law enforcement who join forces together to share stories of strength, hope, and triumph. I am the visionary author of Uncuffed Voices, and I get a lot of questions about why did I decide to embark on this journey? And... I don't know if you know, Kenny, but all your listeners know, but storytelling promotes healing and transformation. And it did it for me. Um, it was liberating for me to write a chapter in someone else's anthology. And I wanted to give this same opportunity to females in, in law enforcement. I know we've all shared a similar journey um, in law enforcement, and I just wanted to be able to help them uncuff their voices. So I'll plug it right there until we move on in, in the broadcast. Okay. Copy that. Thank you. Okay. Sherry, you up next. Hi. Hello everyone. My name is Sherry Johnson. I have over 22 years in law enforcement. Um, and I became a part of this project, like Chanel said, to tell, um, to give the readers an insight of being a woman in law enforcement. And you may face some challenges, but it's still worth it because it's something that you want to do. So once you set your mind to it, you can accomplish it. Okay. Good job. Katria, you up next. Hello, my name is Katria Thomas. I am a medically retired Metropolitan Police Department officer. I had over 14 and a half years before I retired. I actually joined the department at 19 years old as a police cadet. Um, shortly after I graduated from there, became a police recruit. 
and then I became a police officer. Okay, all right. Katrina, where, where was that? Where did you go? Where were you assigned to? What district? Yeah. I was a, I was last assigned to the second district. Okay, so probably cross paths at some point down at three hundred, but. You know, all right, we'll talk about that later. But anyway, so ladies, listen, um, your book is selling very well. Like it's it's doing very well. I congratulate you all on that. And Thank I you. think one of the, my you know, one of the viewers asked me was, Okay, you know, women in law enforcement, men sometimes don't have, and I think Chief, we talked about this, we don't have that insight as far as how tough it is, and I don't want to, you know, thumb it down, but how tough it is for a woman coming, you know, out on the street, because you guys know we're we're tough. We're kind of tough on you guys, right? Because, again, me being an FTO, I can say that. I was a little tough on my females. Not It was a, I don't like them or anything like that, but it was like, you know, especially in the streets of D.C., especially Southeast D.C., it was like, we felt as though as men – we, you know, male officers, we needed to make sure you guys could handle a lot of those situations, especially the physical, you know, situations. But come to find out, you guys talk us, talk the citizens down on a lot of things, you know, as far as where we were thinking as males and just, you know, brute strength and things like that. A lot of the females I come to love and work with, man, they diffuse a lot of just by being um you know having that smile and that different demeanor and saying hey let me talk to this person or whatever by themselves so again i congratulate you ladies on that and do, do you guys know what i'm talking about when you know when i'm saying that as far as i'm gonna say y'all were baby because i'm not gonna say your individual experience but you know what i'm talking about where most of the male officers kind of like we took you as sisters and, you know, little sisters and things like that. And we kind of, kind of, you know, wanted to protect you guys. Um, Absolutely, Kenny. I, I'll jump in on this first. And, and I think I probably can speak for a lot of women in law enforcement, um, particularly my sister circle that that's on this um, podcast with me is we, we don't have a problem with, um, our colleagues trying to nurture and protect us, you know, as women and want to make sure that we're prepared um, for the job. It's those people who feel like that we have no place in law enforcement. And you just described that we bring a unique perspective and we're able to come in without egos um, and able to diffuse a lot of uh, situations. Because if you look at um, the statistics, um, women have less you know, uses of force and, and car accidents and citizens complaints. And all of that is because, you know, we are nurturers by nature and we like to meet people where they are. And so I think that was a good point. Being a, a field training officer that you could actually share of how women actually surprise you. And we came into a male dominated profession and was able to do the job effectively. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you got, like I said, it, it was you know, from my my point of view was I was always responsible for my trainees anyway, right? So, you know, it was like, you don't want anything to happen to them. But, you know, again, as a male, you always looked at it as you definitely didn't want anything to happen to, you know, one of your female trainees. And you kind of looked out a little extra for her as, 
you know, over a male, male trainee. I'll be honest with that. So, but you're right. Things surprised me was a lot of times, you know, you, Chief, you just made me laugh because you like the use of force and things were down. And, you know, I just thought about that, the car accident. You know, now that you said that, that is so true. That is so true. And I'm, I got to add, I mean, sure. You got any idea on that? Like, Katrina, you got any idea on that? Why? Yeah, like citizen, citizen complaints are down with females. We don't have as many citizen complaints. And like you said, normally the citizen would just say, I don't even want to talk to you. If the male officer is perceived as, you know, I don't want to talk to you, they'll just like, I'm going to talk to her. So right. as a partner, as your as your beat partner, you would say, well, be quiet and just let her deal with it. Because again, we either trying to solve the problem, diffuse the problem, or we trying to make an arrest. So whatever it is that we trying to do, we trying to do it as safely as possible. So if talking to the female officer is going to get this person, you know, calm down, if you're doing some type of CIT training on a consumer, or if this person um, talking to the female officer is going to get this arrestee in the car without us having a fight then just yield to the female officer i think that's kind of like what we bring to the table because the citizens would dictate um and instead of like like chanel said we don't have that ego like no nah, i'm talking to you you're gonna talk to me and blah 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 we'll just fall back okay Patricia, you got any uh anything to add to that um, and I also hear, you know, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say while, while on scene, well, you all are the more compassionate ones. You all bring more nurturing um, to to the scene. So I personally experienced that uh, when I was a midnight officer. It wasn't many females on midnights. And I will be called to a lot of scenes in the second district. Um, and it was more so that they they preferred a female officer on scene. And then you would have at times a male officer come on scene and you'll hear them come across the air and say, please just send a female. And you can hear the, the irate individual in the background or not even necessarily irate, just someone who has possibly experienced some mm -hmm. type of trauma. So they just in their eyes, they they would want a female present. And so that's what I've experienced while being on the job. Okay. I mean, it's a very good point, ladies. And like I said, I, I took a sneak peek into your book because um, I didn't want to read all of it until I talk to you guys, but you, you guys bring up some really good points that I really never paid attention to, you know, it, it, until we just started talking. It's like, wait a minute, less car accidents, less use of force. I mean, you're right. You are absolutely right with that. So, Chief, let me ask you this. As far as the male dominated, like you come on some odd shooting scene, right? And this is even before I even met, you know, not met you, but talk to you personally. And you would come on, and you would always wear your hat, right? And I, I never forget, you came on a shooting scene one day, you had your hat on, and I'm looking, I'm like, you still wearing a hat? Like, all right, it's summer, we out here on a shooting, and first day with a hat on. But you know what that did to us? It was kind of like, you weren't, I am the chief, I'm here, I'm here to dictate. You came in, had, still had command presence found out what was going on, looked sharp, and you let us do our job. So that, to me, that's where I got the respect. You know, I earned, you know, you, let's say you had to earn my respect, but at that point, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. You know what I mean? It was like, you were accepted, you know, 
for me. And I know I don't want it to sound bad, but you know, as a male police officer, we have our egos. And you're right, ladies. But it was like, okay, all right, chief. Like, damn, you let us do our job. You didn't come on here and start dictating, swinging your finger around, telling people to do. You saw we were handling this scene. You let us do it. So to me, that was that was years ago. You probably don't remember, but you earned a lot of respect from the guys that day. A lot of respect. So yeah, we we appreciate you, ladies, when you out there. You know, kind of one of you know one of us because that's that's the main point. We want you to be one of us, but being you know being a female, sometimes you know men male officers sometimes we don't say the right things or do the right things in your presence. And you're right, we do have egos. I'm the first to admit that. But like I said, after reading your book, you know, parts of it. it it tells me and it shows me a lot. And um, you know, like I said, Chief, you you had a lot of male officers under you, right? Commanders and lieutenants and stuff like that. Did did you ever have any, you know, blowback from that or you know, disrespect from that? Um, I I guess I guess I would say with that that I experienced um most of my inappropriate comments or some level of discrimination, like early part in, in my career. I think as I ascended the rank, um, I, I appeared to be unapproachable to people. <laughs> so I didn't um, experience that firsthand. Um, I put a lot of effort in making sure that I not only ascended the rank, but I was prepared to do the job once I got there. Because I wanted it to be clear that I'm nobody's diversity checkbox, right? If, if I am going to assume a position, I am going to know how to do the job. And just to go back a little bit on um, that that scene that you were talking about, um, I don't remember the particular scene, um, but I was definitely on first read a lot. So, But just to let you in on a secret about that hat, right? I never liked wearing that hat, right? Not at all. Because this is what I think that male officers do not think about when we have to wear the hat. And I get it that we are a paramilitary organization. This is just my preference. And this is what happened to me, right? I would wear the hat. It would be warm out. So now my head would be sweating. So all my curls in my hair would be gone. And then I would have to take my hat off to go into a building for a meeting or we had a press conference inside of the building. So now my hair is matted and all of my curls are gone. And a man don't have to worry about that when they take the hat off. So I just always thought that that was something that male officers never thought about is just certain things um, with female officers in their hair um, and wearing the hat. But also when you talk about um, the level of respect as, as any supervisor um, or manager on a police department, most of the time, the, the, the frontline officers, they, they know how to do their jobs, right? And so you need me there to get you things that you can get done yourself, right? And so if it's any resources that you need from other city agencies, that's what I should be there for, right? It's to make sure those things happen and make your job easier. So I, I was intentional about that. So I'm glad to hear on that scene that I did a good job with that. Oh, we paid attention. You know that. That's the last, we hate <laughs> Oh, hey, come on. Don't mess up our homicide scene. Don't walk over 
and I think I go to court. But you know, we we did respect that the fact of how it is. But Sherry, so let me ask you: Have you ever, um, you know, anything, any type of, you say any type of disrespect from male officers? But you know, you you earned that badge. But have you ever had to put male officers in that place because of that? You know what I mean? Earning your way. Well, not to say a specific situation, but just to comment on when you said that you you want us to be one of you one of y'all and we want to make sure but think about it we are a police officer we finished the academy we completed field training we are signed off so mm -hmm. just just that division or that mindset is saying that we're separate but no um male officers like i play sports and it's supposed to be a paramilitary organization it's one team Right. So if you look at the mindset, if the male officers just look at the mindset that we're our partners, that's a term that they, you know, we use in law enforcement. That's my partner. That's my B partner. Um, instead of saying like, oh, they want to be one of us. But no, we are. We are law enforcement officers. Well, you're you're so just don't have that mindset of a division. Like right. we gotta we gotta be a part of. No, we are part of the agency. You have to. You're absolutely right. And and I will. I would I will say this. We have earned that, right? Out of but even as an FTO, like you said, it's up to that field training officer to prepare, be it a male or a female, to be prepared for solo patrol. So if you haven't gotten into a fight or if you haven't gotten into a conflict or you haven't gotten a situation where you have to raise your voice to get control on the scene, so how are you going to expect that person to be once they're on solo patrol? Um, by themselves to come and, like you say, have your back or know how to um, respond in the situation if they wasn't properly trained. Because you're too busy, like you said, I'm looking out for that person. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm, I'm they're like looking at them like a sister or my cousin. Like, no, that's your partner. That's a trainee for one. So you just got to train them to just, you know, be prepared to do the job. And then, like you say, you won't know if that person is going to perform until they're put into that situation because I have I have some male officers when I was on patrol I don't want them to come on scene because they ain't gonna do nothing but just stand around with their hand in their vest right you're right so I would call somebody and say like hey who, who headquarters send me another unit and then depending on who speak up I might ask for another one that's just code word like okay I don't want that person right I'm just saying Great point, Sherry. Great point. Because I was going to chime in and say there are some male officers who have never been in a fight before they became yes. a police officer. Yes. Um, and it's, it's some women who have been in a fight and who would jump in and, and help yes. if you're fighting because Maybe. it's our fight. You are right. And again, <laughs> well, I, I love having you on because please don't get the idea. I was, you know, chauvinistic or anything like that. No, oh, no, 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 no. But I was, you know, I, I came from that police culture from like, 90, you know, sit in the car, any shut up, don't touch nothing, that type of deal. So, you know, it's like I was taught like that. Doesn't mean it was it was right, right? But that's why I became a field training officer. And mm -hmm. I can admit I kept some of those, not, not those type of ways. You know, it always bind to the, bind into our head, especially a district like six and seven. Protect the female at all costs. And I know that got on you, you guys' nerves, right? I know it did, but it was always protect that female at all costs. You know, because we didn't have we, we had a lot of female 
70. But you know, it was always that's what you saw. I just told you. That's what hey, you everybody responded to that female's traffic. Um, stop. Not because you didn't think she couldn't do it. It was she's you know, she's and I had to say, but yeah, that's our sister. She's like, we gotta protect her, right? We gotta protect her. We we were always taught we we were the big brothers. So, um, Katria, has that ever happened to you up in 2D? Well, not not more so with the police officers. My my interaction, which is uh, what I'll get into with the book, but on the department, we have civilians who hold ranks of a police officer, and he was a high-ranking um, official on the civilian side, um, and he mistreated and belittled me as a officer who was injured in the line of duty and shortly found out that I was expecting. And uh, throughout my entire pregnancy um, and in recovery, I was, I was mistreated by that male. Okay. And um, I, well, we can talk about that offline. I'm sure you took care of that the proper way, but so, let me ask you, ladies, and again, we're starting line with two, um, Chief. Your book, you came up with the, with the idea. How hard was it for you to get, you know, the other female officers, you know, to kind of like link up and come up with, you know, get your your ideas and, you know, everything you guys went through. Was that was that easy for you guys, or did it flow, or was this like once you guys start talking, it's like yeah, this, this is going to work. Um, it, it wasn't difficult at, at all. I mean, I, I put out the author call and our first interest meeting was on February the 22nd of this year. And, um, we got our numbers pretty quickly. Um, half of the women I, I know, um, from either working at MPD or somehow our paths cross, or we just knew of each other by name, but then probably half of them I, I had never met before this project because we are more alike than different. And I knew that that would be the case if women were brave enough to share their stories because we all know how I work in, in this profession and the culture of policing. Uh, a lot of women were scared to come forward to share their stories. And I understand number one is because people had the perception that we were going to bash um, certain people or organizations. And that's not what this book is about. It really is about to inspire and motivate and empower. But telling our lived experience. And that's what I would like for people to do is respect someone else's lived experience. Just because it's not yours, it does not mean that it didn't happen to them. But as you read more in the book, you're going to see how the 18 women, they tell their stories, but they also give advice. Like if you are enduring or experience this this same situation or similar situation, here are some takeaways for you to be able to use in your career. And it's definitely good for men to read as well. Um, I talked to a Prince George's County official and he told me that he got the book because majority of the women um, in his, his bureau, majority of the personnel in his bureau were women. And he really wanted to read it to hear the stories of women so he would know how to manage them through a different lens and understand the experience of them trying to do a tough job in law enforcement 
and balance their personal lives and family lives. You're right, because like I said, I, you know, we take for granted what you guys, um, what you guys think and what you guys feel. And like I said, we we don't know. We don't know because it, it's apples and, and oranges. And like I said, when we work together, we really don't know what you guys what you guys have to go through in the locker room or on a daily basis or even some of the things that you have went through that we will never know about. And you, you know, you still made it, you know, to the upper, upper end. So Sherry, what's, what's your takeaway as far as what would you want? Just say a female that wants to. Oh, so what advice would you give her, you know, young 20, 22 year old mom that wants to join the department, any department? Of course, family first. Um, they have to make sure that they have a support system. Um, if it wasn't for my babysitters and my closest friends, I wouldn't be able to do 22 years. I wouldn't have been able to do my job because I know that my kids are with someone and then I don't have to worry about them. So the, the main thing if they, is to have that family care plan. Right. Have a support system so you can focus on the job because clearly you want to be in law enforcement. Clearly, you know, the um, the risks, you know, the shift work, you know, your expectations of you. So just make sure your family um, situation is um, taken care of so you can just focus on doing your job and being the best law enforcement officer you can be. And you will face some challenges. That's just with any jobs. It's just with any industry. Just stay focused, um, be true to yourself, and whatever your goal is, if it's to do three years, five years, or retire, just make sure every day when you come to work, other than officer safety number one, focus on your goals, focus on what you're going to do, because you can't control management, you can't control what shift you go on, you can't control what vehicle you drive, you can't control if you get approved for training or not. So you have to just focus on your goals and your plan. And this is an honorable profession. And it's not just that we need more women. We just need more people dedicated to, to this profession so we can carry on. Because a lot of people are retiring. A lot of people are just saying, oh, I don't want to be in this profession. But no, this is an honorable profession. And regardless of your skill set, your background, Everyone brings something unique to law enforcement. You are a field training officer, so you know every recruit was different, but they all brought something to right. the department. They all brought something to the agency in their own way. Absolutely. You're right. So, Patria, let me ask you this. Um, with all the bad, I guess the bad press police are getting, right? And we, we know half of it, or more than half of it is just, you know, kind of media bias. If a young black female came to you and asked you what you like about the job or what could you change about the job being a police officer, what what would you what would you tell her? Well what I like about the job is it helped give me a foundation to adulthood. I I actually lost the person who who raised me at a young age and I actually started on this job um, pretty young. And so in doing so, you, ha you had to grow up pretty quickly. And what I mean by that is you had to mature really fast. 
And so with that being in the cadet program, I had to mature really fast. I uh, couldn't do the things that that others were doing were doing. Um, and so that was positive to me because it gave me structure. I had structure from home, but it gave me the structure uh, of maturity and the, the workforce, real life. You have to grow up and get it done. And so um, that is the positive um, part that I got from the department. Um, and then can you repeat the other part of the question, please? What, you know, what would you tell a female? You know, they're like, hey, I'm seeing all this bad stuff that police are doing. You know, what would you, what advice would you give them as far as, you you know, being on the job yourself and actually seeing some of the things that do go on? Well, I would, on I would, I would tell them to, to be the change. Like, the, the area that I grew up in, it the police image was negative, but that's part of the reason why I joined the department. I decided to be a part of the change. So I would tell them to do the same thing. If there are any, any, any things that you feel negative about, you know, things can't change unless you do something about it. We can't sit back as Chief Dickerson would always tell me, if, if you see that there's a problem, there's no use to just talking about it. Like you have to do something about it. And she's actually uh, my mentor. And so I would tell that to a young officer, if you see things that are going on, try your best to stay on a narrow path and be that light, be that light that people can attract themselves to and be the model for the department. And those behind you will see that and know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's not all negativity. And I just want you to understand that even and those who are listening, that even though I endure trauma on this job, I still have a lot of positive as well. I still speak very highly of this of this job, and a lot of people um, do not know before and have not known before the book that I was even retired because people still ask questions to this day, and I still give positive feedback. So I don't want the listeners to think that you know because of my trauma, I just feel negative about the department. That's that's not it at all. Okay, all right, and that's a great. So, Chief Dickerson, let me ask you this as we close this out, right? What takeaway, because I'm going to ask you guys individually, but what takeaway would you want to get to any new reader that, you know, just co that comes across your book? What takeaway you want to, you know, want them to have? I would want all readers to never give 100% of you to, to a job. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying don't go to work and give 100%, like meaning you work to your full capacity. But I'm talking about when you sacrifice everything for a job, that's giving 100% of you because you have nothing left for you if you do that. And I'm big on officer health and wellness. That is important to me because I feel like that if police officers or law enforcement officers are not healthy, then they can't positively, positively impact the community. So that would be um, my, my biggest takeaway from it. I also must say that it's law enforcement officers because we have two correctional officers that have also written stories in the book. So kudos to them for their different type of trauma that they experience outside of us that have worked for police departments. Okay. All right. Good takeaway. Sherry, how about your takeaway? 
each story is our own um, experiences, but they're all one, which a sisterhood. Like we all were excited about reading each other's chapter so we can see um, what they wrote about, but then we could see some similarities within our own um, career. So this book is just an insight into what it is to be a woman in law enforcement. So if you're in the profession, this book might inspire you to keep going. If you're thinking about being in law enforcement and you're a woman, this book will kind of give you some insights on you know, what to expect. And if you're already in law enforcement, like management or an officer, this would be a good book to read as well so you can see what your sisters in blue are going through and that we are a teammate. We are not separate. We're not trying to be like the men. We are teammates. Right. Right. Understood. Hey, listen. I I have a show where I mean, the team could tell you, like, we don't all have to agree on everything, but then we come, you know, once we listen to each other, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you looked at it that way, right? So I love what you bring and what you brought, right? Like, yeah, okay, wait, wait, Kenny. We are already are the police. Well, well, ooh, I know you right. But, you know, again, that ego thing as a male, that's why I said I had to, damn, she's absolutely right. You know what I mean? So no disrespect meant there. You you guys are or are part of that team, right? So, Katrina, what would you get? What would you what would be your takeaway to uh, somebody who just, like I said, just read the book or read your chapter anyway? Um, I I would just ask that um, people who have read the book or those who encounter officers, you know, just don't prejudge someone. You know, you never know. You know what was their day before they entered the locker room? What their what they may possibly face when they leave the locker room? Um, just understand that we're all human. Uh, understand that we we all have had trauma, whether you're a police officer or just a citizen. And it's all about you know coming together as a whole. We this world is in a uproar right now, and we really all need each other. Um, let alone let alone the the officers and I really just want to take the time to shed light on um, officers who endure, uh, who are who are pregnant on the job and who have endured the the trauma, and you feel like you're left alone or left in the dark and not understanding. And those who were injured, as myself, injured in the line of duty, and shortly afterwards found out that I was expecting, and then felt like I was left in the dark. Just know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and and just know that we all have faced similar similar challenges and that you know this this world would be a better place if we can all just come together and just continue to stand strong okay thank yeah. you very insightful um i'm very happy to have had you guys so before we sign off chief tell the audience where we get that book where they can get that book okay thank you so much for giving me this last opportunity um before i mention that i want to honor that september is suicide awareness month that is why my takeaway was about um 
giving 100% of you in health and wellness because storytelling does promote healing and transformation. So I encourage everyone to read the book so you can be inspired to live to fight another day. You can get Uncuffed Voices. Her story is my story at uncuffedvoices.com. You can connect to any of the 19 of us that's a part of this anthology by going to uncuffedvoices.com or you can get the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Thank you, Kenny. No problem. Listen, ladies, it was great. You like it, it really was just. It was like great storytelling. I love, I love hearing each individual story. And like I said, you guys will be promoted um, on this podcast, on the show, and on the uh, Instagram page. So, you know, look out because I'm sure your sales going to go up after this. So again, Chief, thanks for coming on. Sherry, thanks for coming on. Patria Thomas, Thank you. thanks for right and giving me a little bit of your time ladies i appreciate that and you guys have a great night okay thank you so much all right thank you